purify us and give us energy and strength and um, holy boldness to reach out to others and to um, do the work that you put in our path, Lord. We praise you for your goodness and your graciousness. We thank you, Lord, for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. So now when you think about this, we're called to be channels of light and blessing. If you ever been to, uh, I'm sure you have, been to a baseball game or went down to a circus or went to a picnic or some other outing and you had such a great time, you couldn't wait to get back and tell everybody else, you know, that's how we're supposed to be with the love of Christ. We have such a, a blessing and have such a great time with the Lord that we should be inviting other people also to get to know Christ and also allow him to be Lord of their lives. And it should be the same way with uh, church attendance, too. We have such a great time at church fellowshipping and praising the Lord and singing and greeting the other members that we're happy to invite other people to come and join with us. And that's how we're called to be channels of light and blessing. A channel is something that carries one thing to from one place to another, like a, uh, well, like a water pipe. It's a channel for the water to go from the city water supply into your home. And it's a channel. So we're called to be the way that the message of God goes from us to someone else, comes from God through us, goes to someone else. So it says that the Holy Spirit is to animate and pervade the whole church, purifying and cementing hearts. Have you ever seen the Holy Spirit uh, animate and pervade the whole church? Have you ever been at a church service where you just felt like the Holy Spirit was there? Yes. And what was it like? At first, I thought it was just me being emotional. And then I looked around, other people were shouting. And um, you could just feel it. it, it there's, I can't describe it. It's a sense of excitement. It's not like being at a baseball game. It is a shared experience, but it, it feels deeper. It almost felt like a weight came down, but it was a gleeful weight. I can't describe it, really. Hmm. But it, it's, 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 yeah, it's specific to the Holy Spirit. Like I said, I've been to events big sold out concerts and stuff like that. And, and you, it does a shared experience and a sense of excitement. This was different. Hmm. Interesting. Anyone else? I felt like one time when I was at church and I was singing in the choir, I really felt like angels were around us singing with us. Hmm. And I just felt like, a, 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 like the Holy Spirit was right there. And I almost, couldn't really sing because I was getting full. The song was just, you could just tell, and I'm like, it's not just us singing up here. I can feel mm -hmm. and I can even hear more voices. It was just full and it, and it filled me up. And I know that was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Amen to that, that. That's good. Yeah, it does. That was good, Andre. You do. I felt full. I was good. I felt so many emotions all at once, and I was grateful. Right, right, right. Now, I felt a feeling before, and like Paula was saying, it's not always just excitement like a ball game, but it was just a peacefulness, you know, during service, and the pastor was preaching, and, and then the choir was singing, and it just felt like a real peacefulness was over the entire uh, sanctuary. I thought that was pretty amazing, and it would be great if those times – 
you know, happened every time we got together to praise the Lord, right? That would be terrific. And when we feel that way, again, the Lord is asking us, go out and tell somebody else how you felt, how you enjoyed yourself, and invite them to come in also and, and enjoy the Holy Spirit. Uh, the next paragraph says, every follower of Jesus has a work to do. What type of work is it, is it that we have to do? Got to dig some ditches, put up a few buildings. What type of work do followers of Christ have to do? Share the gospel. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell, right? That's our job as missionaries. We're in our families, first of all. You know, many times we forget about our own families. We're so busy going out into the world and down in this neighborhood or that neighborhood, we forget the people we live with every day of the week. You know, in our family, we need to start there and then go abroad. And then also um, outside of the family, then who else should we be trying to be missionaries to? Who else should we be speaking to? Everyone. Outside, outside okay. your and family? Within your sphere of influence. Yeah, it, everyone within your sphere of influence. And mm -hmm. also, I witness my grandmother and my aunt, they carry tracks in their purse and they never met a stranger. So anybody you meet, we could be in line at a bank and they'd pass out a track, talk about the Lord. So, yeah. you know, people look at people like that funny, but they were doing God's work. That's right. That's exactly right. They're doing the Lord's work, being a channel of light and blessing, because you never know that person in line just might need to hear a word from the Lord or that person in the <clears throat> in the car next to yours. They just might be struggling a little bit and just need some encouragement. So, yeah, we start in our family, start in our neighborhood, our city or town where we live, you know, and then also some people are blessed to uh, be traveling missionaries, go overseas and you can be a missionary, even like right now, with us being online, this is a missionary effort. We're letting other people know about the light and the blessings of God uh, through our dis discipleship class. So even now we're being missionaries. And um, that's, our, that's our work that every follower of Jesus has to do. So if everybody has to do that work, everybody, not just certain people, is that really happening? Have you have you experienced that in your church? You know, in the scripture, it talks about the time of Laodicea. Has anybody seen any evidence of that? Well, I can say that. Uh, yeah. Don't get ahead. me started. Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> Well, just like my, I shouldn't call it my pet peeve because I think it was put on my heart for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that we're no longer reciting the fourth commandment at a Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath worship. Mm. Yeah, it was just that, taken away. No, no conversation, no nothing. And that was a good channel of light and blessing, right? Now, you, uh, when we think about it, if every member of the church truly was a blessing, a channel of light and blessing, there would be so many more people who have heard about the word of the Lord that Jesus might have already come by, by then. Everybody may have heard about it. If throughout all the ages, everybody that accepted Christ 
did their work as a missionary and told somebody else who told somebody else who told somebody else, the word of God would have been around the world and Christ could have come by now. So we have to do our own work and we don't want to be uh, judgmental of other people because I don't know how the people's schedule is or what type of personality they may have. But the Lord says, you are my witnesses. And that means he's given us the power to witness in whatever manner or whatever way we're capable of. Everybody can't do the same type of witnessing. Everybody doesn't even want to, but everybody can do something to spread the gospel message. We're all instruments of righteousness to communicate to others the light of truth. It says in uh, paragraph 18.3, the result of the work of Jesus as he sat weary and hungry at the well was widespread in blessing. The one soul, remember the woman that came to the well? The one soul whom he sought to help became a means of reaching others and bringing them to the Savior. How did Jesus, talking to this woman at the well, how did that end up with other people coming to him? You know what? I love that story. And I don't know if I relate because she was a female, but um, and God did some tremendous things through women in the Bible. They mm -hmm. were some of his greatest disciples, but she was infamous. And she accepted him on the spot and ran and told people that looked down on her or probably ridiculed her or had some dealings with her, ran and, and witnessed what she just experienced. I just met a man who told me everything I did. I think mm -hmm. that's powerful. That's the courage. Amen. Amen. Do you think courage is missing in people nowadays? That might be why some people hesitate to witness. I think that's one of the under the, that and the lack of faith, which is the same thing because we weren't made to fear is the reason why there's a Laodicean state. Hmm. Interesting thought. That says, let your light shine and other lights will be kindled. So as the woman at the well, like you said, went and told everybody else, hey, come and see this guy. You got to hear what he has to say. She was letting her light shine. And then other people's lights will be kindled again. We don't know what people need to hear. We don't know what we're going to say that will impact them. We don't know what they're what uh, what they're going to hear when we speak to them. We don't know how they're going to uh, respond to when we approach them. But is that really our job to worry about those things? Should we be worried about how people respond and if they listen or not? Well, that's again that goes that re goes to fear. That's a lack of faith because this thing is not about us. Just like the woman at the well, she her reputation preceded her. She was at the well at noon. Everybody else had gone in the morning for a reason to avoid people. Yet she immediately went to where she knew there was a population of people, the same people she tried to avoid, and <laughs> witnessed. Amazing! That's a real blessing. And can you imagine how those people felt when she witnessed to them and then they went and saw for themselves? They must have been pretty happy and thankful about that. You know, and I'm sure some people were thinking, wow, she's not such a bad person after all, you know? So we have to be careful how we look at others and not focus on what others may think. Our job is just to go 
the directive is go ye therefore and let the Lord lead you and allow his light to shine through us. We don't have any light of ourselves. We have to allow the light of Christ to shine through us. And then when people see that light, they'll be drawn to Christ. Lee, I think sometimes when we put our foot in stuff or want so much control, it really, in a way, takes God out of it. You know, if we just do what our part yeah. is, if we, if we, if we have a something that kind of makes us say, let's go over and speak to that person, you have no idea what God has already told them and, or shown them. So then when you go and they respond a certain way, not only does it show you, it probably shows them too. That must have been the Lord that sent them over here because how would they know? You know, and on your side, how would you know what, what they're going through? So a lot of times, you know, we just need to be obedient. When God says move, just move. You don't know why. I, I know there's probably been times that people uh, uh, on this phone or listening have been in situations and it's like, how did I get here? How did that happen? And, and nobody would have known this. And it was God. And, and the Bible talks about, I remember the one story about the guy that was blind and the Pharisees kept saying, because um, Jesus healed him, well, was he blind because of his own sin? And they no, he was blind from birth. Oh, was he blind because of his parents? And the Lord was like, no. Basically, he was blind because I needed to show my power and, and what I can do for him. Stop putting it on people and saying, well, this is why they're this way or this is why they're in that condition. It could simply be to show how good God is and how powerful God is. Amen to that. Now think about this too. Uh, you guys were just mentioning how God can lead you to a person, you know, with just the right thing to say to them that they need to hear. Do you realize too that God directs people to the church? So our church is called to be a lighthouse in whichever community is in, and God can direct people to that church. You know, and I recall um, there was some big event going on and people wanted to close the church. And one of the people, one of the uh, elders says, no, we can't just close the church because, you know, the Lord might direct somebody to this church, you know, during that time period. So that uh, couple people ended up staying back. I'm not sure, but I think somebody did come, a visitor did come. But God directs people to our church because the church is called to be a channel of light to the world. And what we need in our church now of course, there's the Holy Spirit power, but we also need willing workers, people who are willing to give themselves to the service of Christ. And in today's society, it's all about me, right? It's, I got to have some me time. I need to do this for myself, me, myself, and I. But God needs willing workers in his service just as well. Is there any ways that we can encourage people to become more willing to sacrifice some of their time, talent, temple, and treasure to the Lord. Is there, have anybody thought about that? Maybe you got some ideas that we may be able to use to encourage people to be more willing to give uh, to the service of the Lord. And we're on paragraph 18.5. What can we say to people that will help encourage them to, to do more for the Lord? I'm thinking that we can give people credit for what they're doing already. 
That's the first thing. So that everybody on here is witnessing for the Lord. When you leave your house on the Sabbath, there's probably someone that is, is aware of your comings and goings on the Sabbath day. Whether you have your Bible in your hands or not, they can tell, you know, this is something you're doing a regular week and they may ask about it. Um, when you encourage a friend, encourage a family member, that's a Christian act. We wouldn't do that of ourselves. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So I think the first place is to start and, and give people some credit for where they are. It's, it's always like, you know, some other thing you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing, which makes people feel a little bit um, disinclined. Secondly, I think we really need to stop labeling what Christian work, service work is. You know, knocking on doors is not the only thing. I'm always saying that, you know, and um, if we put our definition on what their Christian service looks like, we're not going to get the response that we need to get. I give people credit what they do and then stop defining what they need to do, you know, and stop. And um, let's see, a third thing is to be very prayerful about everybody. Because this thing called there to seem, it's like a heavy um, anchor around our necks. You know, you would do stuff, but then it seems like it's too much work. <laughs> you know, or you know, or you start to do something and then you find out it's that you thought it was going to be three steps and it's 25 steps, a lot more than you were anticipating, which is discouraging all by itself. So, you know, the Bible says that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So we have to pray that we will be unshackled from this heavy burden of um whatever it is, discouragement, frustration, aggravation you know, self-centeredness, selfishness, all these things that just get on our nerves and prevent us, you know, are we allowed to prevent distractions from just doing what God wants us to do, you know? And then, you know, like another thing that we mentioned earlier is um, stop trying to control the outcome. I just I mean, can't. That's, that's really hard. You know, you... That other had solving and I, I was thinking of it. Aaron, you are on, on mute. Thanks. So, you know, it's, um, we have to stop trying to control the outcome, you know, and stop getting discouraged and quit defining. That's another thing, putting our definition of success on the efforts that are made by ourselves or by others. If we don't see a person come to church, we feel like it didn't work. I stopped trying to bring people to church and start attempting to bring them to Christ and make Christ more at the forefront of their heads by sending encouraging messages, asking them to pray for me, pray for them, pray in their hearing for them, you know, those things to help strengthen their faith and trust, giving testimonies to people and stuff, because, and stop putting my identification again, my ideal and definition on their success in Christ. You don't know what it's going to, what it's going to look like when they accept the Lord. Those some excellent ideas. I especially like where you say Stop trying to bring people to church and bring them to Christ. Um, any Amen. other ideas on how we can encourage others to give their service to the Lord? I think, too, like Lakita's saying, show appreciation for what people are doing now. One of the things that I think is a good idea to help encourage people to serve the Lord is... Um, we used to do this spiritual gifts inventory, which I really enjoy doing. And it would point out the different talents that God has given a person. So individually, you'd fill out this test 
and then go through it and score it. And it would point out God has given you gifts in these areas. And then you can use those gifts, you know, to serve him and, and not just only serve the church, but you can also use that for your occupation. If you find out that you have the gift of hospitality or the gift of uh, handling numbers or whatever, or the gift of prayer, you can also use that outside the church too as an occupation or a hobby. But I think this find out what your talent is, is very helpful. And then also to encourage people and say, hey, you know, you're really good at, at doing certain thing. You know, that would really be a blessing for you to use that, you know, in this ministry that we have. The church has so many ministries that we, we need willing workers in, you know, to really get things involved, to keep things running, to get out there and evangelize with in these different ministerial departments that we have. So if we can just point out a person's gift and then encourage them to maybe help out in a different department, I think that's another way that we can uh, encourage people to use their time, talent, temple, and treasure for the Lord. Any other thoughts on how we can encourage people to give service to the Lord? No, I just want to make a comment, Lee. I thought that was great what you all did for Kennedy to encourage her in the um, ministry that you all are over. Mm -hmm. And that, that that was good for other people to see. And maybe we need to celebrate that when somebody steps into a ministry for the first time, you know, and, and continue to do that and celebrate that. No, uh, Karen, I think we need to, thank you, Karen, too. Thank you very much. I think we need to celebrate any person who is, um, who has taken on the responsibility of serving God from the least, from the, from the least to the most, or whatever we may think is the least to the most, you know, and every person, like um, any person who's doing anything should believe that their job is the most important job because, you know, God has called them to do that job and stuff. I I think we really need, really, really need to celebrate members and um, even visitors who do something for Christ because um, it's, it, I know the struggle. I know it's hard to take out time every week or every other week or whatever it is to be prepared and be ready and able to do God's work and do his will. You know, I know that it's God has called you, but I don't think it's there's any law that says we can't say thank you to people for what they do. Mm -hmm. I think everybody should, should do that. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think also we need to cover all of our people that are on the front lines with prayer because Satan's going to come because he mm -hmm. doesn't want them advancing God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. And he's mm -hmm. going to come and he's going to come with opposition and he's going to come, you know, in ways that will blindside us. <laughs> mm hmm. Good point. Always start with prayer. Um, another idea I think is very helpful is to, and you don't want, you want to be genuine about this, but as a church family, I think it would really help if we were more uh, friendly, more sociable with each other. Uh, a lot of times we just see each other once a week and say hi, happy Sabbath, and that's it. But, you know, maybe like I know Andre's on the bowling team. That's a good social outlet where you can connect with other members. I know some people are in different classes. That's another way to connect on a different level. Uh, actually, some members work together. So there's that extra connection you have because it's a lot easier if you're a friend of someone to invite them to join in on some activity. If you're inviting just a stranger and you say, hey, 
why don't you come and do this and that with me? And they don't really know you. They're going to be like, no, nah, I don't think so. But if it's someone that's your friend and you say, hey, friend, come and do this and that with me. Hey, yeah, OK. Yeah, let's go and let's go do it because you have a different an, an additional connection with them other than just only on on the one day a week. So I think becoming more social with each other is helpful. Like we used to do more and maybe it's just certain churches, but used to do more outings together, uh, church picnic, you know, different used to be AY socials after Sabbath. We go out and do uh, roller skating or play some board games or have a basketball tournament, uh, you know, different things like that, different outings on the weekend, evangelistic, but also just social outings. I think those kind of things do help bring a church together. And as I was saying, when you come together more on different levels, the more levels you can connect with, I think the better it is that you can uh, invite someone to become more involved in serving the Lord with their talents and time and temple and treasure. Um, paragraph 19.1. It says, it is a privilege. What is a privilege? What's the definition of a privilege? Anybody definition of a privilege? Okay, let me re finish reading and then somebody can tell me. It's the privilege of every soul to be a living channel through which God can communicate to the world the treasures of his grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So it's a privilege for us to communicate to others the love of God. Uh, what is a privilege then? I always look at it uh, as an honor. I'm, I'm a certified Bible worker now. And, and now that we have, uh, you'd be surprised people just drift into church, you know, seeking just off the street, you know. And um, anytime you can reach out and share, and if they want to uh, sign up for, for Bible study, it's an honor to me to take out that time because that's what I'm commissioned to do. It was a mm -hmm. time in my life where I would have thought that to be a burden, you know, like, oh, it's going to take so much time. This is going to be, uh-uh. That's the whole, you know, conversion in the Holy Spirit. I consider it an honor to share the word of God. Terrific. I like that. Honor is terrific definition of it. Also liked in that you brought in the opposite, burden. So it's not a burden. It's an honor and a privilege to serve the Lord. You know, and congratulations on being a certified Bible worker. That brings in another action, uh, giving people a certificate or, or acknowledgement of their gifts. I think that also helps people to say, yeah, you know, um, Lakita, she's all had mentioned before that if you notice in other churches, some people are just happy to be just a simple position, what I would call it simple, no position is simple. But what we term simple position, like a deacon, and man, to hear them talk about it, they almost the pastor of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm a deacon. I'm a be ordained. Mm -hmm. I come down to my deacon ceremony and, and bring all the family and, you know, and it's a big deal to them. So acknowledging people also is very helpful in getting people to um, use their time and service for the Lord also. Uh, I want to throw in something, Lee. Mm -hmm. So under that definition of privilege, if that's the definition, if it's the only definition of privilege, then how 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 are we defining people that feel like they have white privilege? 
Well, that's not the only definition. <laughs> yeah, that's not the only definition. But in this context, yeah, it is an honor to serve God. But well, in minute, that, go ahead true. and Lakita has something to say. I think about that you're absolutely right. These people feel like they should be honored and that they should be treated in, you know, a, a better way than, you know, than the rest of us. So they feel like they, they hold themselves up on a pedestal. Right. So that's, that's, that's what is, what is that? That's self uh, aggrandizement. That's what that right. is. Right. <laughs> and, but, but what she said, what Paula said is that we hold the position, you know, being able to do this is, is, is an honor, you know, being able to do the position, not that she's the honor. They think that they are the honor that, you know, because if anybody steps in the position where they think they supposed to be, then those people should not exist, you know, because so, not- so under Paula's definition is Christ we're honoring and under white privilege definition is themselves they're honoring. Yeah, honoring themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and then everybody else supposed to do it too. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to interject that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it says on 19.1 at the bottom Mm -hmm. says all heaven is waiting and there's some heavens waiting on us all heaven is waiting for channels through which can be poured the holy oil to be a joy and blessing to human hearts and that's really when you think about it kind of sad that heaven's waiting on us to get in gear heaven's waiting on us to surrender our lives to Christ heaven's waiting on us to humble ourselves and be channels of love and blessing to others. Heaven's waiting on us to fulfill the great commission to go ye therefore. You know, I was thinking about, um, I started thinking about this yesterday, but when Lee asked the question of, have you ever been in a um, service that was filled with the Holy Spirit? It reminded me of um, being in a, in a um, prayer meeting and this woman told about getting snatched. I, I just love this story. I was in there, in there. No, no music was playing. She was giving her testimony about how she was, had been picked up at the bus stop like that day, and the guy, you know, picked up off the bus stop at gunpoint, and um, it was two guys, and they made her get in the car. She got in the car, and as they started driving down the street, they were on Natural Bridge. She started saying to herself, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through her, as this thing says. All heaven is waiting for channels through which can be poured the Holy oil to be a joy and blessing to humans, to human hearts. And um, she started saying, you can't do this. I'm a child of the king. She started thinking it. Then she started kind of mumbling it. Then she started saying it, you know, a little bit under her breath. And she started saying it a little louder. And she started screaming in the car, you can't do this. I'm a child of the king. You can't do this. And so she was saying it in prayer meeting. And then she said, um, one of the guys said, uh, made the guy who was driving made a U-turn. And the other guy said, where are you going, man? Where are you going? Why? He said, I'm getting ready to put her back where I got her from. Either she is crazy or she knows the Lord. Either one, I'm not going to risk it. And he put her back out there on the, uh, on the sidewalk. And the whole church was just up praising the Lord and, you know, weeping because just for joy, when I saw this, to be a joy and a blessing to human hearts. It was such a joy and blessing to be there to hear this testimony and the Holy Spirit was still on her and still, you know, kind of where you can't hold the Holy Spirit in, right? So everybody was just up, you know, everybody in the sanctuary is just up and praising the Lord, just shouting for joy because of what he did for her. 
That's mm-hmm. the channel that the Holy Spirit is using. Use her. I, I always remember that. Yeah, it's a good testimony. And you think about the people that she was uh, being used as a channel of light to. You know, these two people trying to kidnap her and do some harm, but the Lord's still speaking to them through her, mm-hmm. still trying to shed some light and blessing to even these people who are doing wrong. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to try and count people out and say, no, they don't deserve to hear the light and blessing that God give me. You know, just share the message with anyone. Don't worry about who. On um, paragraph 19.2, that first sentence, uh, can anyone explain what this means? It says, the glory of the church of God is in the piety of its members, for there is the hiding of Christ's power. What is that saying? The glory of the church of God is in the piety of its members, for there is the hiding of Christ's power. God can't do nothing with us when we have a high and mighty attitude. We think we have the answers. He just can't use us. We have to be humble and um, able to hear his voice. You know, we're so busy listening to our own voice. So he has the power. And I love that verse that says, according to the power that worketh within you, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I like to think of according to the power that we allow to work within us. You know, we do, if we're not going to allow the power, if we're not going to be humble, we can't do nothing with us, really. It's just a waste. Mm. Anyone else? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And I think that what that's really saying is that the glory is in our walk, not our talk, in our walk. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and, and it is that example that other people see and you know, some will say, well, I want to be like that. I see Christ. It, it was like when the three Hebrew boys were thrown in the fiery furnace and the king looked in and he saw four in there and he recognized the fourth one because he had seen him in the three Hebrew boys. And so I think that's the same thing with us is that it don't matter what we say. And, and I always say this about children too, you know, don't, it don't matter what you say to them. It matters what life you're living in front of them. What is your example in front of them? And if we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians live the life that we should live, people will come into the church just by knowing us on the outside. Mm. Amen. Amen. And also remember the verse where the Lord says, uh, you must become like little children. You know, again, that humility and piety uh, of acceptance of here I am knowing nothing, I need to look up to my heavenly father for guidance and direction. So when we do that, as has been said, then Christ can work through us because we don't have any power of ourselves. He has to work through us. And that's where the power comes from is us allowing the light of Christ to shine through us. Says the light of a true Christian shining forth in steadfast piety in unwavering faith will prove to the world the power of a living savior. And also, I think we have to remember uh, the verse that says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So it's saying, let your light shine, not shine it in people's eyes. Just be a good Christian witness, be a good Christian example, not to run around causing problems and trying to be judgmental with folks, but just letting them see Christ in you, Christ in you. Okay. Any other thoughts on that? 
I mean, Brother Carol, real quick, I was just, I, mm -hmm. I was struggling trying to remember this word when Karen was saying, what's the difference between the privilege that means honor? It's an honor to serve God. Mm -hmm. And what they call white privilege. It was the word entitlement with the white privilege. I couldn't think of it early. They feel entitled mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. immune from. Mm -hmm. And mercy. I tell you guys one thing, it's really annoying. Slavery is really annoying, not just because it was so terrible, but because we as Christians have this extra burden to forgive and to, you know, I don't really even know if we can say not feel the aggravation, irritation as you see people continuously try to do away with your rights or, or uh, continue to practice injustice on, you know, your on um, your race and stuff, and you're in the process of also forgiving. It's, it's every time it's always like a new wound or something that they go do that makes you have to go back and redo and rethink and kind of fix it. Okay. Let's move to 19.3. Um, and it's talking about church members, let the light shine forth. And it says, let your voices be heard in what? Humble prayer. Humble prayer and also in? Witness, witness against intemperance. Yeah, the, uh, also against the folly and amusements of this world and in proclamation of what? The truth for this time. Yeah. How does that impact us? What should we be doing if we're following this? these sentences here what should we what kind of things could we do be, well yeah that's the first thing mm -hmm. we we can be faithful ourselves um with the with the time talent treasure temple all of that we can be faithful ourselves because again we're supposed to be living sermons mm -hmm. um, um the foolishness and amusements of this world don't join in you know, mm -hmm. respectfully decline, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, I remember my son, Chris, coming up through high school here. And he could never go to the stuff. Or he could never go to the things that were held at the school because mm -hmm. they were always on Friday nights or Sabbath. And when he got to Oakwood, he was so happy because he said, Mother, I can participate in everything now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Different world, huh? Different world, different world. So I'm just saying, you know, we as Christians have to turn down certain things and have to say respectfully decline, you know, to, to, to participate in some things, you know? Yeah, and that's part of that witnessing against uh, folly and in amusements and intemperance also. Uh, speaking of witness against intemperance, you know, we have this health message which we're in the perfect time. It says the truth for this time. This is the perfect time for us to be pushing the health message. Everybody's trying to get healthy. You see on the TV and radio and news, all these people selling new health ideas and different things you can drink and different ways to eat and different type of activities. You know, and God has given us all these things for our health. We need to be also sharing that with this world at this time because we can see that some of the things that the world is saying it to do is, is not correct, according to God's word. 
and we can be that witness against the intemperance and the folly and foolishness of the world by just standing up and saying, no, that's not the best thing to do. Here's an alternative that work that is much better for your body. So we can also stand up against poor health habits. We can stand up against some of the things that the world says are good amusements that are not. You know, there's so many things we can do and how we stand up for them. There's so many different ways we can do it, especially now with the uh, social media. You can stand up against intemperance. You can stand up against foolishness. You can proclaim the truth without ever even leaving your home. You know, of course, we, when we do leave our home, we want to be a walking, talking witness for Christ as well. Uh, just the other day, I was, I think I was at the gas station. Yeah, at the gas station. And some guy come up and asked me uh, for a cigarette. He looked at me, said, oh, you don't smoke, do you? I said, no, I'm trying to stay alive. And then he just started laughing and walked away. But, you know, that's still a witness against intemperance. I, and I think the way he laughed about it, he knows that's not a good thing to be doing. You know, smoking's killed so many people. And I can hardly believe that young people today are still beginning to smoke. I mean, how much proof, how much information, how much education do you need before you say, you know, that I'm not even going to go down that route. So let's continue to stand up against all this foolishness, however way God leads you to do it. Yeah. Any but other thoughts? In doing it, mm -hmm. Yeah, in doing it, we have to be careful and be prayerful, not uh, do it wagging our finger because we'll be seen as pious, and that'll turn people totally off. Uh, it's important, like you said, be a living testimony because when we start living, you know, uh, eating and exercising and uh, doing things according to the word, taking care of this temple, people will notice, girl, did you lose weight? What's going on? What are you doing? And that is an actual testimony to people that won't hear anything about the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, well, I'm, I started a plant-based diet and, um, and I've, I've, been, I've been praying over my will and whatnot. And I'll show them in the word where it says, we, you know, fruits and vegetables, herbs and different things like that. That's in there, you know, and they're just amazed. It's not some <laughs> diet I found online or bought a book or anything. It's right here in the word. And then I tell them this is our owner's manual from our creator. And that's a good way to look at, you know, you'd just be surprised. And also um, when we avoid folly and different things, oh, I don't drink, I don't do this. They just see, oh, you one of those, you don't do this and that and the other. Um, you too righteous for us or too holy for us. Once you get that label, it's hard to witness to people, it, particularly children, dragging them to church. They want to play their games and stuff on the Sabbath. <laughs> and I'm talking about like cousins, other family that aren't Adventists, and we'll take dress them up, take them to church. But when we come home, they want to do what they usually do. Uh, the Holy Spirit impressed upon me to show them wholesome alternatives. They don't even miss the video games and the digital stuff or their phones and stuff when we're out, you know, uh, catching butterflies or looking at crawdad, whatever it is, you know, nature walks, walking in the park and, and playing or whatever, um, and, and singing and, and doing different crafts. I even have um, Bible crosswood word puzzles and coloring books, things that are set aside as, as for the Sabbath, so they're special. So in other words, it's not more, you can't do this because it's the Sabbath, because that 
they, you know, as soon as they get big enough, they don't want to go, like, won't want to go to church with you or do anything. But I have a set of things that these are the things we get to do on the side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an excellent point. But I'm going to say this, too, is that children would rather do stuff with an adult that is structured than be by themselves. The only reason they're on video games and all of that, because they, they left alone too much. Amen. But they would rather spend time doing something with somebody that they love or a family member or whatever, an adult that is doing something that is interesting for children to do. And they'd rather do it with you than be, you know, alone. Yeah, I think that's inherent in children to be moving. You know, when you have children or your own children or niece or nephews at a young age, they like running around. You just want to tell them to sit down somewhere because they have energy to get up and go. And they do like being out and about, uh, like you say, with an adult doing something fun and structured as opposed to sitting still and just playing a game. But people get people train their kids to like that kind of thing because they tell them, sit down, play this game. I'm busy. I, you know, I don't want to hear a word out of you. Go in your room and play on your computer. And that just ca- causes them to go down the wrong pathway when it's so much of a blessing for kids to be out in the fresh air, sunshine, the breeze, you know, and the birds and trees. But sometimes parents take that away from them. What'd you say, Paula? I was like, that's a digital babysitter. Yeah. You sit them in front of, you know, a video game. And you, you, you'll sit up in church and to keep the kids still, you'll see a parent pass them their phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny. The digital babysitter reminded me um, there was a security guard at one of the office buildings we were in and Hollywood uh, sometimes come into the office and the security guard, he's supposed to be watching the door. He's supposed to be watching the door, make sure everything's going good and keeping people safe. But every time he's sitting there watching this little mini TV he had brought in, this was before smartphones. Uh, he's watching this little, little mini TV Constantly had a little uh, gray glow, you know, the TV screen. And Holly used to laugh because she'd say every time we go, he's in front of in front of the electronic campfire. <laughs> that was her own word for calling it his electronic campfire because he'd be huddled over watching. So, yeah, anyway, on um, 19.4 says, I've been shown that the disciples of Christ are his representatives representatives upon the earth god designs that there should be lights in the moral darkness of this world dotted all over the country in towns villages and cities a spectacle to the world to angels and to man that's god's plan for us to have uh, his people all around the world being examples of his love and then it also points out and um, this was mentioned earlier too the followers of Christ are to be the light of the world, but God does not bid them make an effort to shine. What do you think of that? He does not approve of self-satisfied endeavor to display superior goodness. What do y'all think about that? Not make an effort to shine. Something to think about. The last uh, sentence on 19.5 says, their steadfast fidelity, meaning honor, integrity, duty, in every act of life will be a means of illumination. 
So again, as we had pointed out earlier, our best witness is our life, our lifestyle, how we live, things we do, things we say, what we're involved in. That's the best means of illuminating the love of Christ to everyone that we come in contact with. Again, your sphere of influence is whoever you come in contact with, wherever you go, whatever you do, allow Jesus to shine through you. And he promised he'll draw all men unto himself. Amen. So we'll close out at that point for this week. Karen, where, where are we going to be next week? We are on chapter 96 of Testimonies for the Church, volume one. 96, mm -hmm. volume one of Testimonies for the Church. Yes. Okay, great. So we'll close out now with the word of prayer as we bow our heads. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for an enjoyable discipleship class. We thank you for everyone's participation, dear Lord. We thank you for giving us a desire to come together, to learn more of you, to discuss our thoughts and our ideas and uh, ways that we can move forward and being lighthouses for you and faithful witnesses. We ask and pray that you'll be with each person represented here, those around the globe who are online. We ask and pray that, that as your light shines out from us, dear Lord, that others will be drawn to the foot of the cross, that they too may be saved in your blessed kingdom. We thank you. Amen, Jesus. All right. Amen. Amen. That's all for life.